Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
I hope you are all are having a great evening. The weekend is approaching. Always a very exciting time. It's always a big release. Um, you know, get that off your shoulders, especially after having a long week at the weekend. Get time to relax. Thursdays are always nice. There's so much going on in the news, everyone. It's been one story after another today. It's been chaos after chaos, bombshell after bombshell. We're going to be talking a lot tonight about various topics and headlines that are going on that are, that are really big. And we have some big guests on tonight. We have best-selling author, political strategist, and entrepreneur success coach, Brian uh, Bache uh, calls in. I think that's how you pronounce your name. Bache is calling in. He'll correct me when he calls in if I pronounce his name wrong. And I, and I apologize ahead of time if I did that. Uh, we will also be having uh, Josh Bernstein on. As you know, he hosts a very popular show, uh, the Josh Bernstein Show, very popular political show. He'll be on later on. Uh, we will be on for two hours tonight, like usual. We were last on on Tuesday. Had a great show. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a very exciting time. Um, I, I do believe I have Mr. Mike Zolo on the line. What's going on, my friend? What's going on, Rory? How are you, brother? Uh, doing well, doing well, man. So much going on, buddy. I mean, we got Andrew. <laughs> we got, the, I mean, the biggest headline today for me, I mean, is the is obviously the Rudy Giuliani coming in. You know what that's going to do. And I've been saying Rudy, Rudy, Rudy all day. <laughs> and he's coming in on the legal team, and eventually that's going to be lead him to, I, I believe he's going to be attorney general. I believe that Jeff Sessions is going to be fired and Rudy Giuliani is going to fill that spot because Attorney General belongs to Rudy Giuliani. This is what he's known for. He will prosecute Clinton. He will prosecute Comey. He will prosecute Rosenstein. He will prosecute all of them. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani, we need another tough New Yorker like Giuliani right by Trump's side. It's exactly what we need. I was so glad when I read that headline today. I was jumping up and down. Well, Rudy Giuliani is, I mean, you know, 
who doesn't like Rudy other than the left? But um, I mean, right. he saved New York because he's a tough guy. He doesn't. He's like Trump. He doesn't care about you know friggin' political correctness and you know oh he doesn't he does, you know we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Why do you think New York got so cleaned up? Because they went after the people that were selling the drugs and they didn't worry about hurting people's feelings and being called racist. That's why Rudy yeah. cleaned up the whole city of New York. And he really did. He's a tough guy. He's a tough New Yorker, just like Trump. And I believe Trump um, has put him on his legal team uh, basically to get his foot in the door. So eventually he'll just um, move him into the uh, attorney general position uh, when Trump gets rid of Sessions or whatever, or if Sessions resigns. You know, I don't know how it's going to go down. But Sessions will not be there much longer, in my opinion. And I don't think anybody um, would replace him better than Rudy Giuliani, a tough guy, no bullshit, hates Hillary Clinton. Yeah. I mean, Rudy hates Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Um, oh, he'll so everything Rudy he'll, does he'll is – No, I he'll, mean, he'll, he he'll hates take, Hillary yeah. Clinton. Remember oh, on the does. campaign trail? <laughs> Rudy, would, Rudy would start the chance, lock her up. He goes, if I was the prosecutor, she'd already be in jail. So, look, this is a great, great addition. And I think in the end, he, um, Trump just wants him uh, to get his foot in the door so then he'll be more accessible to get into the attorney general position. People will be more familiar with him in Congress. So, you know, so I think it's, as once again, a brilliant, 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 brilliant plan by Donald Trump. And he strategizes everything and it's working out, as you can see. Oh, it is. It, 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 it's working out perfectly and the fact that I said this all along where's Rudy why isn't Rudy filling this position why isn't I mean this is this should be Rudy's job you know all along you know because I mean I knew Rudy would come in come in there and he would drain the swamp I mean he's the same mentality as Trump same mentality as Joe Arpaio the the exact toughness that we need well, look, in New York City, Rudy Giuliani got rid of crime, drugs, and murder, yep. and thugs. Yeah. Really. But now yeah. he's going to come into Trump's team, eventually be attorney general, and he's going to get rid of corruption and bureaucrats that hate Donald Trump, that have been put into power by the Obama administration, that Trump has not been able to remove yet. And Rudy Giuliani is going to make sure that he drains the swamp. He's going to get rid of all those people, just like he got rid of all the crime and all the murder in New York City. He's going to do that in Washington, D.C., and he's going to get rid of all these anti-American, deep state criminal gangsters. Oh, absolutely, 100%, without a doubt. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And, and you know, here, here's the thing about it is, is bringing him in, is it totally creates a whole new ballgame. And, yeah. You know, especially with with what's with what's going on. I mean, Jeff Sessions is not doing his job. I mean, plain and simple. Look, I I have run out of patience. You know, I used to be on the side where it was, hey, you know, maybe we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, and of course, there's truth to that. You know, we don't know everything that's going on, so that is fair. Right. But at some point. You know, there needs to be action. You know what I mean? I mean, Trump's been president for two years now, and I'm not blaming this on Trump. I'm blaming this on the attorney general. 
you know, right. Jeff Sessions has almost been, you know, attorney general since the, he's been attorney general since Trump's been president. Okay. It's almost two years. Right. And yeah, he's doing good stuff on immigration and all that. And that's great. But we really need to drain the swamp. There is a war being waged against this president who's, who was duly elected, by the way. And he needs an attorney general who has balls, who has guts, who says, you know what? I'm not going to recuse myself and tell the Democrats, no, go to hell. I'm not going to recuse myself. I didn't do anything wrong. When I was a senator, a lot of other senators met with Russian ambassadors, too. That, that was my job on the Armed Service Committee. But instead, what did Jeff Sessions do? He said, oh, okay, I'm going to recuse myself. And then guess who comes into play? Rod Rosenstein. Look, Jeff Sessions yeah. made the biggest yeah. mistake when he recused himself. And look, he can't do anything. He recused himself. When it comes to the Russia, the Russia collusion, the Russia investigation, Jeff Sessions literally can't do anything because he stupidly recused himself. Donald Trump, when, 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 when Jeff Sessions recused himself, I remember Donald Trump tweeting, like the minute it happened, and he said, my very um, not smart or something, attorney general stupidly recused himself when he shouldn't have because he did nothing wrong. And basically, Jeff Sessions tied his own hands. Okay? And on top of that, stuff that he doesn't – stuff that he can go after that doesn't matter about the recusal, recusal he's not going after. Yeah. Okay? Right. He can go after Hillary. He can go after Lynch. He can go after Holder. Yep. But he's not. So, he I doesn't. mean, look – at the end of the day, you need to get somebody. Look at what Rudy Giuliani did in New York. You think he can't go in there into Washington, into the DOJ and the FBI and clean it up? Are you kidding me? He's a tough guy, just like Trump. No political correctness. And I am just so happy that uh, Trump has got him, at least right now, on his legal team. I mean, how do you complain about that, really? Exactly. I mean, 100%. And here, here's the thing. I mean, you. This is totally creating a new ball game. I mean, this is this is awesome. I mean, it's fantastic. I really want to play you a clip, though. This Comey son of a bitch, man. I tell you, this motherfucker is something else. This guy is on a whole nother uh, drug of his own, his whole nother planet. Oh this yeah, guy he was is, on the view. Oh, he was on the this view. This guy, this guy's off. This guy's office. This guy's office fucking burned. This guy is absolutely ludicrous. I mean. You you got to hear some of this stuff. I'm going to play you play this clip for the audience. Um, really pay attention to this. This guy's off his bird. Uh, one for This uh, is remarkable, Sean. One of the Comey memos is James Comey uh, putting together the details of a late January 2017 dinner in the green room at the White House with the President of the United States. We've heard about this before. It was leaked out to the New York Times uh, many months ago, and it's since been confirmed that the dinner took place. But yes, what's new tonight is that James Comey himself says that he told the President, in terms of whether he may stay on as FBI director, this is obviously a short time before he was fired, uh, he says, I don't do sneak things, according to the memo James Comey wrote. I don't leak. He goes on to say the FBI gets a lot of the blame, but in fact, yes, you I, do. You I think they leak very little, people inside the FBI. How ironic, Sean, that these memos are coming out on a day when the president is tweeting about how he believes James Comey has leaked classified information. Uh, by the way, the memos I have, I should note, are redacted, the ones that we're obtaining tonight, because we believe there's some classified information in what Comey put together and then leaked out through a professor friend 
uh, to the New York Times and elsewhere. Remember, Republican Charles Grassley has said at least four of these seven memos that we're looking at tonight uh, have classified information. Also, these memos coming out, James Comey and one of them again saying the FBI doesn't leak, I don't leak. This is coming out, Sean, on the same day that Comey's number two at the FBI, Andrew McCabe, it has, is facing a criminal referral that has just been sent today by the nonpartisan inspector general at the Justice Department to the U.S. attorney here in Washington for criminal charges for Andrew McCabe for, yes, leaking information to the media uh, against the wishes of the FBI, number one, and number two, more importantly, perhaps, lying to FBI investigators about that. McCabe today says he'll be vindicated. He doesn't think he'll face charges. But that is an ironic twist to this. I want to note another quick thing, uh, which is that uh, there is uh, a point in here uh, where Comey recaps that January, late January 2017 dinner, and he says, among other things, the president was talking about, uh, quote, the extraordinary luxury of the White House, which he favorably compared to Mar-a-Lago, of course, his estate in, in Palm Beach. Why do I mention that? Remember, there was this story that came out saying that the president had allegedly said that the White House is a dump. He can't stand it. It's not as good as his properties. The president at the time said, this is fake news. I never said that. James Comey now, in one of these memos, Sean, is saying the president at dinner said the White House was quite luxurious and better than Mar-a-Lago. So I I don't know what version of events you, you, you can believe. Finally, I'll, I'll note, I'm going through all these pages. There are about 14, 15 pages of, of Comey memos. There's not a, a piece of, of information from James Comey that suggests there was any Russian collusion, that he talked to the president uh, about that. And I'm talking, I just got off the phone about five, ten minutes ago with a top congressional aide uh, who just received the unredacted, uh, so, some of the unredacted versions of this, is saying uh, that there's nothing new on collusion and nothing new on obstruction. So this is remarkable that early in the Comey book tour, as he faces questions about his candor, the Comey memos are now coming out and don't really seem to have any blockbusters, Sean. And I can also confirm that when I first interviewed the president right after he took office, he said to me, the most luxurious place he's ever been in. So that's a fascinating uh, tidbit. And also 18 U.S.C. 793, which we have been informing this audience about, you cannot leak classified information. Uh, great report. We're going to check in with you in a little bit. Keep, uh, later, keep combing through that. There you go. There you go. Um, and uh, on the line now, <clears throat> we have best-selling author, political strategist, and entrepreneur success coach, Brian, is it Boshe? Boshe? How do I pronounce it? Yeah, Boshe. Boshe. Okay, Boshe. I was just making sure. I thought I pronounced it right. Um, it's great to have you on, man. Uh, a real pleasure. Um, you're, you're involved with, you know, you've, you've written books. You've you're involved in many different columns, uh, Washington Times, I read, uh, Washington Examiner, uh, many other media outlets. Uh, you're definitely on the inside scoop of what's going on in D.C. Uh, I mean, uh, you've, done, you've done a lot, man, big resume. Good to hear. Good to have you on the show. Yeah, absolutely. We have to talk about uh, what we're going to do in 2018 and 2020 to make sure these Republicans win. Yes, absolutely. My co-host, Mike, uh, Mike Zolo, you there, buddy? Hey, what's going on, man? Nice hey, to Mike, can be with you. But we got to make sure we don't get the rhinos. No rhinos, only Trump, Trump candidates, pro-Trump candidates. I'm sick of these, these disgusting 
Jeff Flakes. I, I can't stand these people. <laughs> I would love to see Jeff Flake. I would love to see Jeff Flake or others take a stab at, uh, you know, primarying the president. That uh, that would that that would go well. Maybe we could we could we could sprinkle in a little James Comey and make it interesting in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I hope. Go ahead. I was just saying. I hope. Actually, I read a report that uh, what's his face from Ohio, John Kasich, the guy who won one, literally one state. He said, "Oh, he's really considering primarying Trump." Listen, listen. If this guy thinks he has a shot against Trump in 2020, uh, oh my God, please God, please let John Kasich run and let him choose Jeff Flake as his VP. It will be a bloodbath. It won't even. It, actually, I hope it doesn't happen because it won't even be fun. It, it'll be so easy that it will be just like a joke, you know? Yeah, well, Mike, absolutely. Here's we saw the, the thing. episode. Here's the thing. If we saw the episode between the uh, picking his vice president. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, Hello? Say it would. It would be. It would be totally interesting to see an episode of kind of a in, in the primary space. We see like Jeff Flake jump in, John Kasich jump in, yeah. Trump destroys yeah. them, and then maybe we see a little bit of uh, Oprah and uh, Pope uh, jump in on the general election. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Here's the thing, and I keep you know going back and forth on this. I mean, John Kasich sounds like a fucking, I mean, he sounds like a lunatic saying he's going to run in 2020. (laughs) And I don't even think he'd get as far as being able to pick a vice president because to pick a vice president, you have to actually be worthy and uh, relevant. And he's not even going to be on that level of importance. He'll be gone in the first round. So I don't even think Jeff Blake and John Kasich is a thing. But, um, you know, I, I just think, uh, John Kasich is the biggest, one of the biggest con mans and jokes. Uh, and he's just like John McCain. He's just like all the rest of the, those rhinos, those swamp monsters, I tell you. And the Democrats, you know, if you really look at who's going to be their front runner, is it going to be Bernie or is it, uh, it going to be, you know, Pocahontas, Harris, who, I can't, who I can't stand, Pocahontas maybe. Uh, you know, there's all, I, I heard, uh, Joe, uh, Firecrotch, Ginger, uh, Drool, uh, Kennedy, maybe the front runner. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we just don't, we just don't know right now. I, you know. No, we don't. We have no but, idea who's going to run on the, on, on the Democratic side. We have all, no idea who's going to run. They're all very weak though. They're, they're not, none of them are strong candidates. No, it's going to be very hard to compete against the president who has, you know, north of 100 million followers on total on, in total on social media. It's going to be really hard yeah. for them to challenge and have the ability to react to President Trump and whether it be his tweets or his speeches or really kind of the what is he going to do next kind of kind of mindset that he creates among journalists and and his base supporters. And I think the Democrats are going to have a hard time fighting that. Not to mention the Democrats and the kind of middle of the road uh, rhino Republicans, as you say, are going to have a hard time fighting this in terms of how the economy is going to be doing, uh, not only in 2018 but in 2020, as some of Trump's economic policies really start to take off even more. I right. mean, and another thing is, 
I don't even under you know. I just saw an article from uh, you know Bob Corker saying the the, oh, the worst vote. I know the worst vote in his life was the tax cuts. I mean, are these people like? I, I mean, what is wrong with these people? I I, it's, I just I just don't understand. Eighty five percent of Americans got a tax cut. That's just the bottom line. You know, whether it's fifty dollars a week, forty dollars a week extra, it doesn't matter. It's extra money. Hard workers uh, can keep more of their money. And again, the Democrats, not one of them voted for it, not one. So they have no message. They have no no leader. And then you have these Republicans like Bob Corker. Thank God he's leaving. And I just I can't help but think that if Trump didn't win, you know, if it was a different Republican, something tells me that Jeff Flake wouldn't be retiring or, you know, uh, um, what's his face? Bob Corker would be staying. I just feel like it's a good thing that Trump, uh, you know, these people hate Trump, but we have to make sure that the ones who aren't going to leave that hate Trump, that's up to us. We can't get lazy. We can't say, oh, Trump's the president. So we're good. We have to get out there and vote. We have to provide Trump the the tools to push his agenda because Paul, people like Paul Ryan and all these people, they're just they're, – they're, they're, not, they're not doing anything. They don't have Trump's back, and it really just gets under my skin. I can't stand these people. Yeah, it's oh, not yeah. really about you – know, it's not really about the president as much as it is what the president represents in terms of policies, right? Republicans and conservatives have been screaming about the kind of policies that this president's been able to do in record time. And it right. seems to me that Jeff Flake and Bob Corker simply just don't like the messenger. And honestly, I've been pretty shocked. I'm not surprised that Democrats play the emotional game. Oh, we don't like what he said. Oh, we don't like what he said about us. We don't like that tweet. We don't, the media doesn't like yeah. it. But what I've been really fascinated by, Republicans, the champions of logic, free market, entrepreneurship, things that make sense factually – I've not seen so much emotion from Republicans, I don't think, ever until this president was elected. I've sat down with countless Republicans, both libertarian and those who are middle of the road, and I've never seen such emotional arguments against this president that really don't stand up to the facts. It's just, well, we don't like that guy, and they just say it in prettier language. Right, and another, uh, one thing I will say, one thing I will say, very important is obviously, you know, me, you know, I'm on the right, so I'm with Trump, and that's Trump's my guy, you know, and that's who I support, and that's just the way it is. But all these, you know, the Democrats and even the Republicans, I think the hatred that they have for President Trump, I think the middle-of-the-road people, people who may not be into politics as much as we are, you know, independents, you know, people, maybe people who just aren't, you know, they just, they like Trump, but, you know, even people who don't like Trump, I think all this hatred towards Trump by the media, by his own party, by these, these pathetic Democrats, I think at the end of the day they're going to say, you know what, Trump's doing a good job, and, and, and he can't catch a break. I'm going to vote for this guy in 2020, and I'm going to support some of the candidates he endorses. I really think that's what's going to happen. These Democrats are, are, are burying themselves, I think, in the long run. Well, keep Yeah, I think they are. And also – and also keep in mind, you know, most, most of these politicians in D.C. are paid by these various lobbyist firms or insurance companies or whoever, you know, they're, they're do, cutting a deal for or doing something special for. 
so they're 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 voting uh, they're voting for something not necessarily something they agree with morally, but something they're getting paid big bucks for, and they're out for their own self, and they're like fuck the fuck the American people. They're not doing what they're elected to do. They're 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 getting in there so they can fill their own pockets. And you know, I really hope Trump, you know, does something with that because you look at all the the corruption with that in D.C. and that's a big problem. I mean, these politicians make millions millions a year of various companies, um, you know, because they do them favors. They get you know cutbacks. You, you know, you, you get all the, you know, and you get all these uh, you get you just get all these special favors, all these all this money behind closed doors. Um, Kick, I mean, all these kickbacks. I tell you, it's 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 sickening. It's it, it, and and you know these Democrats at the end of the day, a lot of them morally agree with what Trump's doing. I really think so. I, I wouldn't say a lot of them, but some of them. But they know what they tell their sheep. Their sheep is going to buy into whatever they say, and they have to go off their agenda, which is opposition Trump. Opposition Trump. Do not. Do just ignore him totally. Everything he says is racist and wrong, and it's not right. Yeah, and I think too. I, you know, here's the thing: I don't think that the American people are as emotional as the media likes to portray the American people. You've seen countless examples, whether it be on CNN, CBS, and other liberal right. networks, where they've even done focus groups with voters who both supported Trump, didn't support Trump, and those who were. Right there in the middle, maybe voted for him, but they're not sure what they're going to do in 2020. And you see that their yeah. responses to President Trump, whether it's his tweets or otherwise, are still pretty measured, and that they're going back to what matters to the American people, and that's going to be yeah. the economic indicators. How's my wallet? How are my taxes? Can I take care of my kids? Can I feed them? Can I put a roof over their head? And can I get a good job in this up economy? Those are the decisions that they're going to be making when it comes to them going to the polls. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. And and you know, you know, just speaking on behalf of, you know, all this hype on, uh, you know, this this red this blue wave coming. I mean, it's a bunch of crocka, a baloney. I mean, it's it really. <laughs> I don't see a blue. I don't see a blue wave coming. I see a red wave coming. I see history. I see history proving uh, everybody wrong. Just like everybody thought Donald Trump had no chance of winning the presidency, I see the same thing happening with all these people predicting all this blue wave. I think it's going to be totally opposite. I think it's a big red wave. Yeah, I think it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a red wave in both the House, the Senate, and uh, of course, I think Trump's going to keep the White House in 2020. But I can tell you yep. from our expertise at the Millennial Solution that what we do every day in working with companies and millennials yep. and political organizations as well, I think yeah, the thing, the biggest vulnerability, yeah. yeah, the biggest vulnerability with Republicans is going to be millennials. They have far too long yep. ignored uh, America's youngest generation, but America's youngest generation isn't so young anymore. Now they're as old as 36 years old. They're not just college students and. You can't just hope that they're not going to show up at the polls because in 2018 and 2020, millennials are going to show up at the polls, and some of the next generation, Gen Z, is going to show up at the polls. And here's the deal. Republicans need to start establishing trust with younger voters, and the way they're going to do that is to start, sol- start solving their number one problem, and that is student loans. 
Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's a great point. That's a great point. Go ahead, Mike. Oh, well, I was just saying that, that that is a great point. The one thing I will say is these kids, these, you know, these, you know, these David Hogg, these, these fans of this David Hogg, everyone Weasel. says, oh, my God, they're all going to, yeah, they're all going to come out in droves and, you know, because David Hogg told them to. Look, David Hogg is already starting to wear off. You know what I mean? I don't think yep. all these kids that, are going to be as uh, energized he was actually in the headlines. as they were. He was actually in the headlines. He was in the headlines yesterday. He's starting his own gun gun control ad, advocacy group. or so. There's something he's starting, and he was in the headlines yesterday, back in the headlines again, trying to make himself relevant. Well, of course. Fame, like, um, fame whore. When he had, when he had that big... Uh, you know that march for our lives. I said, I yeah. said, damn! If all these kids go out and vote, we might be in trouble. You know, just because you know, from you know, just first thought when you see all those people. But then you have to be realistic. Many of them came from out of town, and 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 half of them are not going to be as energized and as into this whole gun control thing in six months, right. five months, four months. It's going right. to wear off. It wears off. So I exactly. I used to be a little worried about that. But now you can just see, like when David Hogg says stuff, it doesn't get as much attention as it would, say, three weeks ago. You know, after the Laura Ingram thing, he really hurt himself. So I think I you know, think the young yeah. people aren't going to go out for the Democrats. But, yes, the Republicans do have to, you know, start getting them on our side. Mike, you bring up a great – real, real quick, I just want to add something real quick, Brian. Mike, you bring up a good point. I just want to add on. It's like it's so true in the news, stuff wears off. I mean, because every day it's somebody, they're, they're on to something new. Like somebody's focused on the racial stuff going on at Starbucks, which was completely uh, proven to be a hoax and something set up by the Democrats. Uh, the 911 call, uh, I wanted to mention that on the show as well. I don't want to get too off topic, but it even proved. They said on the 911 call, they mentioned nothing about skin color, so it had nothing to do with racially profiling. The people, the the, the African Americans there didn't buy anything, and they asked them to leave if they weren't going to buy anything, and just and they were loitering and they refused to leave. So they caused their own problem. But anyway, re- real quick, you Mike, when you say everything wears off, it's so true. It's like it's like every other day or every day, like you know, like the Vegas massacre. That's that, that's one of the biggest mass shooting in history. That's war off. The media is not even talking about it, and that's a strong example. Great point. Parkland is another example. War. I mean, they're not really talking about Parkland as much anymore. I mean, just take Comey for right now. Comey's all over the Comey. news this week, last yeah. week, and then he's going to wear off. Everyone's going to say enough with this guy. Yeah. Yep, and go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. I, you, I know you wanted to say. I'm sorry, Brian. Go ahead. No, no worries. Uh, what I was going to say, though, is that it, you have to look. Uh, you have to look back. You know, past David Hogg and, and everybody who has come against President Trump. And I and I don't even want to talk about it from a political perspective. Let me just talk talk about it from a strategic perspective. If you look at the people that have come against Trump, whether it be Elizabeth Warren, Hillary Clinton, seventeen <laughs> Republican candidates, you know, Jeff Flake, Michael Wolf, James Comey, 
I can go on and on and on when it comes to the people that have come against him. If you want Trump's to win like against President Trump, if look, if you want exactly, if you want to win against President Trump, I can tell you one strategy that is proven time after time after time that is not going to work. That is pitting if you yourself attack, against you get him. more popular. Yep, attacking doesn't work. If you want to work with him, actually, the the wisest way, if you if you want to beat Trump, if you will. You actually have to find ways to work with him and build bridges with him, and that will allow you to win over time. You may not beat him in, in the election, but you will right. be in a better winning position as a Democrat or even as a middle-of-the-road Republican if you find ways to work with this man. But coming against him, getting frustrated with his tweets, whatever else, you know, your emotional meltdown, choose what you will, you're not going to beat this president. Never. Well, he's invincible. I say he's. I say he's. I mean, every show I say the guy's untouchable. He's invincible. He's bulletproof. He's Superman. I mean, the guy is almost not human. I mean, he he he, one guy. He battled everybody. He he beat the fake news media. He beat everybody that was against him. He took on the entire. It's like a one guy taking on an entire war. It's unbelievable. It's miraculous. He took on the whole NFL. He took on the whole NFL, and he won. He won that debate. <laughs> yep. I mean, Jesus Christ. The guy's yeah, a you winner, know, man. yeah, you can't look if 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 the if he if the if the NFL commissioner and the NFL. Uh, Players Association could not have beaten the president. One of the most popular sports in American history, the truly American <laughs> sport, couldn't beat the president. I think, you know, if you're Jeff Flake, boring as you know what, standing on the Senate floor making a speech about, you know, protecting the press and their First Amendment rights, which I'm all for for the yeah. First Amendment. But, look, yeah. you're not going anywhere. You're not going to win against this guy. Guy's got 100 million-plus followers on social media. You, sir – I don't know what you have. I mean, Jeff. Everybody thinks Jeff Flake's a joke. I live in Arizona. He has less than a twenty percent approval rating. <laughs> yeah, and this coming from a guy he, who wrote in on the backs of the Tea Party movement—that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This guy tries to act like he's a—he's a. I mean, this guy is as. I mean, he might. He is a liberal. There's no doubt about it. Nothing about him is conservative. And well, you know, living in Arizona, living in Arizona, we have poor, poor Senate leadership. John McCain and Jeff Flake. It's terrible. And you know, good thing Jeff Flake is uh, spots coming to an end because uh, America's toughest sheriff Joe Arpaio is going to fill that seat. Yeah, yeah, sheriff yeah Joe. and rightfully so. I mean, just Sheriff Joe. You know, this is somebody. You know, we thought Ted Cruz, right? We thought Ted Cruz might be a bit of a barn burner in the Senate, and he has been, right, when you compare him right. to the other Republican senators. And if you thought Ted yeah. Cruz was a barn-burning senator, wait till Sheriff Joe gets into the Senate. Oh, Those will oh, be some yeah. of the most televised speeches that you've ever seen. <laughs> I want him on that floor. <laughs> I just wanted to say real quick about uh, Jeff Flake. I was looking yeah. at his um, – his uh, what do you call it? It's called like Liberty Score. It's 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 all congressmen and all senators how they vote. You know since they've been um, yeah. you know elected to the Senate or Congress or whatever. Jeff Flake for like being a conservative, his rating 
is an F at like 31%. So like he votes most of the time yeah. with the left. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Brian, right getting there back, with hey, Brian, getting back to it, um, Joe Arpaio on that Senate floor, I mean, it would be like nothing we've ever seen before. I mean, he would be one of the most ruthless senators, and he would, he'd be a bulldog. I mean, there would be nobody like him. Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty it's pretty incredible. What's that movie, A Few Good Men, where he's like, "You need me on that wall. You want me on that wall." That's the kind of yeah. guy you're gonna have in the Senate with Joe Arpaio. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And we, you know, we've had him. We had him on the show, and you know, he's been on the show many times. He's a good friend of mine, and I'm I'm, I'm helping him with his campaign. I'm working with him, and uh, you know, he was on the show the other night for like two hours, and you know, he has just a novel of a resume. I mean, story after story. I mean, the nicest guy, the most genuine individual, brilliant. I mean, just, a, just, just as solid as they, they get in this life, man. Well, well, don't forget, Joe Arpaio was the first, well, I, I, I would say the first. One of the first. Actually, yeah, I think one of the first. One of the public the, the first. Maybe the first. Yeah. yeah, that went out there. When everyone else was mocking Donald Trump, taking him as a joke, calling him a racist, yeah. he doesn't have a chance of winning, Joe Arpaio yeah. was out there, and he endorsed them, and he's been loyal ever since. And Trump is a loyalist as well, and that's why he pardoned him. So that's a very big um, plus that Joe Arpaio has. People remember that. People remember when everyone was mocking Trump, saying he doesn't have a shot in hell. Not one Republican wanted to go near the guy. But Joe Arpaio was there, and that's a big, big plus for him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, and it Brian, just goes to ahead. show you the strategic – Yeah, it just goes to show you the strategic mindset behind uh, individuals who understand how to win. Look, I'm a constitutional conservative. I oftentimes even lean libertarian. But I can tell you the biggest lacking among many conservatives in this country – uh, many Republicans in this country is they have the principles right, they have the Constitution right, they have the First Amendment right, right to privacy right, all that stuff, states' rights. They get all that correct, but their biggest failing, and it's why you know if you ever see Republicans lose elections, it's not because of their principles. It's because they have a very poor understanding of strategy or a complete lacking in understanding of strategy. And that's why right. Republicans, when they lose, whether it's Rick Saccone or Ed Gillespie in Virginia or some of these tremendously boring, dreadful candidates that Republicans have been putting up in some of these statewide <laughs> elections, like you said, it's not a blue wave. No, the Republican candidates that we put up, whether in Virginia or Pennsylvania or otherwise, suck. They're terrible. They're boring. Right. They're old. They don't know how to communicate. The, 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 the gubernatorial debate between Ed Gillespie and Ralph Northam here in Virginia not too long ago was like watching a pint of Haagen-Dazs you know, battle it out with Briar's ice cream. I mean it was like it, – it was, it was painful. It, it might as well have been two kittens knocking each other around. I can't believe these two grown men were competing to run the state of Virginia, you know, one of the closest states to the nation's capital. It's unbelievable. Yeah, that's a great point. And Republicans, you know, they keep putting up these candidates that have no personality. They have no umph. You know what I mean? Trump is Dreadful. just a personality. The guy's funny. The guy's tough as hell. He says what he wants. You know, the Republicans that have been put up in these last, you know, few elections, 
they're yeah, like you said, they're boring, but they also have no like they just don't seem genuine. They don't seem like the regular, you know, no matter yeah. what, you know, we say Trump's a billionaire, okay? He is. But guess what? He he relates to us. He's like a regular guy if that makes sense. If you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, nothing wrong with being the blue collar. You know, nothing wrong with being the blue collar billionaire. Uh, And uh, I, you know, if if there's one thing that Republicans need to continue to love in this country, and that's the opportunity to be successful, to be a billionaire, be worth a hundred million dollars, whatever you want to be. But don't forget how to be a human. The reason Trump won was a combination of his celebrity. He's been preparing to run for president since the late '80s. Uh, He was generating that buzz. He's a marketer's marketer, and he's a salesman's salesman. That's why the guy was successful, and uh, let's not forget his negotiative skills and negotiative tact. You know, the Republican candidates on the, on the, on the 2016 primary stage looked like – I mean a lot of them were very accomplished individuals, but compared to Trump in terms of the ability to negotiate and navigate public opinion, he made the rest of them look like amateurs. Absolutely. Oh, 100%, without a doubt. I mean, he, I mean, he made it look easy. Right. I mean, Trump he made it look, look, look like a joke. He made Lindsey Graham. Remember he said to Lindsey Graham, he goes, you don't even have 1% in the polls. Get out of here. People like that. They said, yeah. this guy's real. He's not saying stuff, you know, scripted in his head. Right off the top of his head, he's being real. He says, hey, what are you saying over there? You, got 1%, you don't even have 1% in the polls. Get out of here. People love that, man. They love a real person who's not speaking out of a damn script. So true. So true. 100%. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, he, he's so much better when he's, when he's not, when he's just speaking, you know, from the mind, from, from the heart, from, you know, off, off, off the script. I mean, I, I, I don't like him when he's scripted. I don't like him when he has a uh, – um, what do you call the things when you're uh, got Tele- a, uh, drawing a blank? Teleprompter. Teleprompter. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I, I don't like that. I mean, I, I, I understand it's, you know, it, it's, it's, um, it's part of protocol, you know, sometimes. But I tell you, Trump can uh, – it's a very good at improvising. I, he's one of the best. Well, well real quick, when I um, – it was like a week before the election, and he had a rally in Pennsylvania. This will take just a couple seconds. When he came out and he yeah. spoke, man, I mean, I felt like this guy was, like, just a normal guy. Like, you wouldn't – like, when he was speaking, everyone was going wild, man, because he just – like, I'll never forget, like, when he came out and there was, like, rock music playing. Like, that doesn't happen. These other Republicans, they walk out, and there's, like, 15 people there, and they're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Trump is like, Democrats suck. CNN's a joke. And we're going to make America great again. And I mean, it was just like, he's like just a genuine guy. And like, you feel like he's like, like could be your friend. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't ever feel like I could be friends with fucking John McCain or, you know, all these, these rhinos, these fake politicians. Trump, Trump has that. And he'll, and if he never loses that, he cannot be beat. Obviously his policy. Yep. Too. Yeah. And there's an art yeah. among people who know how to market their brand. You know, marketers. He's a marketer's marketer, and one of the one of the tactics in doing that is to have your base, your audience, and even your enemies always asking in the back of their head, "What's he going to do? What's he going to say next?" And this happens even as you watch, you know, President Trump's speech. 
whether he's on prompter or not on prompter, because he goes on and off while he's even on a prompter speech. You know, you get in your head this idea of what's coming up next. I've got to stay tuned because I got to know what he's going to say next. It's a constant tease because you never know. It's like, you know what the great thing? The great thing about Trump is that it's not only and, – and, and there was a study that came out. There was a poll where he has fulfilled 70% of his agenda in one year. 70 Amazing. in one year. Unbelievable. Most presidents, when they leave office after eight years, don't even fulfill 10% of their of the whole agenda. But it's, it, it's one of those things, and you're absolutely right, Brian, when you said, you know, everybody wants to know what he's going to say next, Trump, because, you know, it, it, it really is. Like, like, everybody's glued to the screen. Everybody's obsessed with Trump. Whether they hate him, whether they love him, the guy is, people, people want to know what's going on. People, then he needs the biggest headline every second of every single day, you know? Yeah, and one of the one of his one of his great assets is his ability to just move very very quickly. You know, when it comes to Democrats or the liberal media, they tend to spend a lot of time in the details, a lot of time in the in the weeds, if you will, like oh this policy position versus that, and that's what's going right. to happen if we do that, and that's what's happening if we. It's a very academic. You know, Trump's like, hey, if this ain't working, scrap the whole freaking thing. Let's start over. Let's do this. Let's keep it moving. One of the reasons that the liberal media and people like David Hogg or others, when they come against this president, by the time they really get their gripes out, their grievances out, the president's on to the next thing, and the media has no choice but to move on to the next story. One of his greatest assets when it comes to winning is his ability to move very, very quickly. In an environment, by the way, Washington, D.C. is not a fast-moving place. Neither is Congress. Neither is the West Wing. He is moving fast right. in a place where people usually don't understand how to navigate quickly. Oh, that's right. such a good point. It's right. so true. Trump is – and when you bring up a good point when he says, hey, if it's not working, I'm scrapping it. I mean look at, look at, look at NAFTA. He said, it's not working. I'm renegotiating it. People don't even really know that Obama had a trade deal that, that his administration, I guess – uh, crafted with South Korea, and it was like really bad for America. People don't even know that Trump already renegotiated that like six months ago. Like that's already done. You know, people don't even know because the media doesn't report it that Trump actually um, fined China and Canada two billion dollars each for illegal trade practices. So Trump sees Trump has been talking about trade since the 80s. He looks at trade and he says. He goes, look, I love free trade, but we have to have common sense, fair trade for America. And if it's not working, he just guts it. He guts it. Look at the Paris Climate Accord. The thing is rigged. I mean, every, China and India can do whatever they want, but America has, is going to lose jobs and everything. And Trump yep. said, this is, out, this is crazy. I'm scrapping it. People aren't used to that. People aren't used to a politician, a president who says, this ain't working for, for America. It's working for the other countries. But it's not working for us. It's done. I'm scrapping it, and we'll start fresh. I mean, the guy is like – it's just a business mentality, and it's great. Well, he understands well the, the weaknesses of his opponents, and he also understands well the power of leverage. At the negotiation table, you need to understand two things. 
what yeah. is the primary weakness of your opponent, and what is the greatest right. point of leverage, which is often that primary weakness. You know, what he finally realizes, unlike many presidents in the last few decades, is that America oftentimes holds a lot of the cards, a lot of the leverage, and understands the weakness of their opponents. We haven't done this before, right? President Trump understands that the majority of the negotiative chips, if you will, lie in the hands of the United States. So whether it's the Paris Climate Accord, NAFTA, TPP, whatever it is, he's like, either you play by our rules or I tear up the entire agreement and no trade for you. (laughs) What's your choice? Hey, it's so yeah. good. He's so good. It's amazing. I mean, look at the Iran deal. He just said last week, because he decertified it, and then he put it back for like another couple months or something. And just last week, he said, look, this Iran deal is not working. So you'll see what I'm going to do. You might have a hint, but I think you know what I'm going to do. And he's just like the way he says stuff. It's so like, it's just amazing. Because he's basically saying to everybody, I'm about to scrap this crap because it's terrible. And he's telling the whole world, he's telling Iran, you better get ready because I'm scrapping this deal. It's just brilliant, man. It, re- it really is. It absolutely is. I want to play a quick clip. Uh, I am so happy he hired Pompeo, one of the best hires he's ever uh, – one of the best hires ever. I mean, Pompeo has a background and resume like no, like no other. Um, here's a quick clip I want to play from earlier today, One five. That meeting was the highest-ranking U.S. government official to have met with a North Korean leader in nearly 20 years. To set up a meeting between the highest-ranking U.S. government official to ever meet with a North Korean leader. CIA Director Mike Pompeo meeting with Kim Jong-un to establish a meeting between President Trump and Kim Jong-un where, when, and what issues that they're going to talk about. Kim has only pledged to discuss denuclearization, so it's unclear specifically how far he's willing to go and what he expects from the United States in return. President Trump stressed yesterday if he doesn't believe the U.S. will be successful, he'll walk away. While Pompeo leads this diplomatic effort, the Senate is still considering his nomination as Secretary of State. He needs support from Democrats now, as one Republican, Senator Rand Paul, says he plans to vote against Pompeo. The president called out Paul yesterday. They spoke on the phone, and Paul says he'll now meet with Pompeo. Though to change his vote, Paul says Pompeo would have to take a public position against enduring military intervention. It would have to be somehow some defining of his position that looks a lot more like President Trump's position and would have to be very public, not just private, because the thing is, is that it would be a big deal for me to change my position on him. Republicans are also pressing Democrats, especially those from Republican-leaning states. Their argument is that Pompeo, obviously with this meeting, has the president's trust in foreign policy, and he's already executing U.S. foreign policy with that move and that uh, that trip to North Korea to meet Kim Jong-un. Sure is interesting. Thank you. Rich Edson from the State Department. Unbelievable. Rand Paul Paul is always the guy to hold (laughs) stuff up. But I will give Rand Paul credit because he's a very smart guy. He's done a a lot of good things, but he is one of those guys that will hold stuff up, and it, it really is annoying. Because, Rory, he's an isolationist. Look, everyone has their political ideologies, but Rand Paul right. is an isolationist. This guy doesn't – just because Mike Pompeo has, like, I don't know, I guess views of years ago, I guess maybe he agreed with the Iraq war, I don't know. 
You're not going to vote for the him guy as Secretary was, of State? The guy has one of the best backgrounds, Harvard Law School. Uh, I mean, the guy's unbelievable if you look at what he's done in his background. I mean, he's the perfect. I mean, there's no – I mean, I couldn't think of anybody better for the position. I mean, his but, resume is a novel. I mean, it's huge. And the fact that this Rand, I mean, I get Rand Paul has some, you know, his own beliefs, but I strongly believe, I, and I hope that this meeting uh, goes through and Rand Paul comes to, you know, his senses and, and, and comes to terms with, uh, you know, some sort of conclusion where they can uh, have Rand Paul's vote because this is, this is pivotal. This is very important. We need Mike Pompeo. Yeah, we do. Uh, an incredible guy, uh, incredible background. In fact, one of my own personal business mentors uh, was in the same West Point graduating class as Mike Pompeo. Uh, and just an incredible uh, stand-up guy. Right. Think, yep, an incredible West stand-up point. guy, yeah, incredible and resume. West point. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. And he's he's just someone who understands, once again, negotiative under, you know, tact. And, uh, you know, look, you can either sit here, spend millions of dollars as a horrible negotiator, trying to stop North Korea, which you're not going to do unless you interface with them directly. You've got to be yeah. – you know, in this kind of environment, the kind of world that we live in, you've got to be willing to sit down across the table from those that you most dislike. The diplomatic option yeah. is always better, but you also have to have an understanding of negotiation, and I think Mike Pompeo better represents Trump's approach versus uh, – I like Rex Tillerson, but Rex Tillerson is more – you know the reason Rex Tillerson, I predict, and Trump didn't get along is Rex Tillerson is a he's a kind of a southern gentleman, and you know President Trump is a brash New Yorker. I don't think their leadership styles were ever meant to be. That's a good point. Uh, no, I, 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 I understand. I I hear you. Um, real quick, we uh, have somebody on the line. Uh, thank you for calling the Rory Sodder Show. What's going on? Who is it? This is Black for Trump, Michael. Oh hey, how you doing, Michael? The leader, the leader of Blacks for Trump, Michael. How you doing, buddy? Good, to, good to hear from you. Haven't heard from you in a while. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. How you doing, today, sir? We're doing, we're doing well. Um, and we we have uh, Mike Zolo. You were saying something though before uh, uh, Mike from Blacks for Trump called in. Right, right. I just I just wanted to bring this up. This is this is what I'm saying. Like, Rand Paul has the right to do whatever he wants, okay? I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying this is what happens. The Democrats always stick together like glue, and the Republicans, they, 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 they never stick together. Whether it's one of them, two of them, the Democrats are always stick together, and it's just, it's just frustrating. I like Rand, but, dude, just vote for Pompeo. Pompeo is, would be an excellent Secretary of State. I just don't get it. Yeah, well, I don't either. Crazy. That's crazy. I think it's crazy that uh, the Repu- it, well, we got nine Republicans in the Senate that always take turns blocking Trump um, policy, and those are the nine that we have to get rid of or vote in enough Republicans and remove enough Democrats so that those guys don't matter because they're they're using that leverage to make sure that Trump get, doesn't get his policies in. So we have to wait to after the midterms for Trump to really turn up and do what he needs to do. Because those guys are always going to be against him. And in the same night, 
Right. Jeff Blake, oh. Lindsey Graham, Susan Collins, Susan Lisa Murkowski. Um, right. It's just all the Mr. same. McCain. The same people all the time. McCain, John McCain, Rand Paul. He's a, he's a sneaker. Yeah, terrible. Oh, Paul yeah, Ryan. Hey, right. Paul Ryan. I'm glad he's leaving. He's a terrible person. And we got to get some real Republicans in there, whether they're black or white. But we got to get somebody in there that, that believes in conservatism and believes in the policies of Trump so that we can move this country along. Because this is crazy that you guys are blocking while the Democrats stick completely together, always in unity, like my friend just said. This is going to be a war. This is the crazy point. We have to help Trump at the midterms because if they get him out or if they win the midterms, then uh, they're going to get him out by impeaching him, and they're going to destroy America and the people of this country because that's what they they seem to be hell-bent on doing, wiping us out. Well, Hello? if the Democrats are in power, they're going to push for impeachment. That's what they're going to try to do. Right. Go ahead, Brian. You're changing. Yeah, no, they're they're absolutely. You know what the Democrats are going to do if they win the midterms in the House in 2018? I don't believe they will. I think the blue wave's a joke. The only vulnerability that Republicans have is their freaking selves. They put up terrible candidates, and they don't understand the next generation of voters. You know, if there's any kind of wave, it'll be because Republicans – you know, suck at putting up good candidates. I, I'm with Michael. I believe we've got to put up stronger candidates. We've got to put up pro-Trump candidates, but not just pro-Trump candidates. You know, conservative, free market-minded pro-Trump candidates to get this agenda down the way. Exactly, outsiders, people who own businesses, people new who, who know how to make logical, reasonable decisions, who are pragmatists, who not only understand principles and conservative values. But also people that understand strategy. A lot of the Republicans that we have in both the House and the Senate have no concept of strategy or any concept of how to win. Right. And every time they throw a right. they, they throw a touchdown on every single play, but they forget sometimes you've got to get a first down, and sometimes yeah. you've got right. to, you know, exactly. Now that was you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, Brian, you're absolutely, keep going, Brian. Well, you're, you you're making a very good point. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you gotta go. You gotta go for the first down. You gotta go for the short plays. You know, every time we throw a hail mary pass, you know, we fail to actually, you know, get the win, get the touchdown. You know, one thing that Republicans don't understand that Democrats do understand is incremental victories. We've got to go for incremental victories, right? What was Obamacare? Obamacare was meant to be the poison pill to kill the health insurance market so that the next president, Hillary Clinton, or the next Democratic president could usher in universal health care. That's incrementalism. I like that Republicans, at least you know, when it came to President Trump, understood that to get rid of Obamacare, you needed to gut the individual mandate. That's what you needed to do to win when it comes to Obamacare if you can't get the whole thing. But Republicans scream about their principles, scream about conservatism, scream about the Constitution, but they fail to make plays that actually win around every corner. True. That's a great point. It's it's absolutely 100% true. And you're and you're and you're doing a lot of, you know, Brian, fill us in with you know what you're doing with 
you know, you, you obviously are are running this huge millennial program, and you know, you're in D.C. often. You're doing a lot of different legislation. You know, fill the audience in on on, on, on you know, you know, give give some insight on exactly you know the, the projects you have going on, what's going on. Um, very interesting. You have a lot of good stuff going on. Yeah, absolutely. We've been everywhere from Capitol Hill to the White House talking about issues that relate to the next generation of voters because here's the deal. You know, millennials are going to live longer than boomers and Xers. And if boomers and Xers who are currently in power don't seek to understand the next generation and get them to vote in elections for free market principles in the Constitution and things that benefit them in terms of entrepreneurship and knocking out their student loans, Republicans are going to have a very short-term or short lifespan if they don't figure that out. So for us, it's about teaching principles of the Constitution by teaching millennials that if they want to be business owners – by the way, 67% of millennials say they want to own their own business one day – that doesn't mean all of them will, but they have the desire. And if they have the desire, you've got to leverage that desire. You've got to leverage those hopes and dreams and show them how the free market is what will allow them to live that not government handouts from liberals who like to prey upon their pain, their pain. It's Republicans' responsibility to help them achieve their desires. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And in case you're just joining us, um, we have on the phone right now, we have Josh Bernstein, host of the Josh Bernstein Show, a very popular show. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on Hulu. You can find it on Roku. You can find it on various social media sites, YouTube, you name it. Uh, he's been on many political media outlets. Uh, he's doing a lot of different interviews with, with big names. He's got a lot of projects going on. Josh, how are you? I'm doing good. Who, who's the guest that was just speaking? Oh, he's on right now. I wanted to introduce you to him. Uh, best-selling author, political strategist, and entrepreneur success coach, uh, Brian Boucher. Okay. Well, Brian's a pretty smart guy because he, he's absolutely on point with what he was saying. Uh, the millennials right here. Uh, need to phone. be he's redirected. Right now. Yeah. Well, Brian, you're correct, man. We, we need to redirect those millennials. Uh, it's nice to see that a lot of these Florida kids are rejecting David Hogg and uh, Emma Gonzalez's uh, approach to gun control. And, you know, you've got a couple of these kids out there now that are really realizing maybe the ills of their ways. Maybe maybe they did some research and found out that gun control has led to hundreds of millions of deaths throughout history. Uh, So that's a a positive sign. Uh, I am a little worried, I'll be quite honest, that uh, the youth may come out in the midterms. Um, Let's hope that they don't. Uh, I think that um, getting this uh, four people uh, in, not indictment, but criminal um, referral, for McCabe and Clinton and Comey and Loretta Lynch. Uh, I would love to see them opening up investigations on them, criminal investigations. I think if they do that before the midterms, we've got a very good chance of holding the House and Senate because that's what the American people have wanted since day one. Since January 20th, that's what they have wanted. They wanted to clean the swamp out, and they wanted to arrest these deep state officials and hold them accountable. And fingers crossed, maybe things are starting to get, uh, you know, into that category. 
Yeah, Josh, I, I would I would agree with you. I think that those are indictments that the American people want, not because it's about the Clintons, but it says something about what we stand for as a nation, that we believe in a rule of law. That means that our leaders are not above us, the people, that they are subject to the same laws that we are. And the second thing I would definitely say, though, on the subject of young voters, oh, yeah, that Democrats and all of those folks in Hollywood are spending lots of dollars to generate youth vote. And I got to say, can't keep kicking this can down the road. You can't keep hoping that millennials and Generation Z aren't going to show up in the midterms and presidential elections. You might as right. well build a strategy that banks on the fact that they are going to show up. That way to be over, over prepared to make sure that you have a strategy that speaks to the free market desires of millennials. Look, when you poll test the words capitalism versus socialism, millennials choose socialism two to one. But when you poll test free market versus government control of resources, millennials choose free market every single time, which means they have a fundamental misunderstanding of socialism. It means they think that it right. means that we're just all in this together. They don't know what it means to be in Venezuela or in Nazi Germany or in Russia. They think socialism mm-hmm. is like Facebook. <laughs> Well, socialism is Facebook. Let's face it. I've been on uh, two 30-day bans back-to-back, so I haven't been on my account in a long time. So I guess it's more like communism, <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> yeah. So true. So true. 100% true. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, it, it, it goes back into, you know, this, this factors into George Soros and, you know, like you said, Hollywood – throwing out all this money, you know, brainwashing the youth, promising all this free stuff, take care of you, give you all your free health care, give you your free money. I mean, it's just take care of – and you know what really bothers me, and I really want to mention this, and I have mentioned it before, but Democrats always play the, the woman's rights card. I mean, we all know they play the race card, but the woman's card, they always say that they're, they're all for women's rights. Bullshit. It's, it, they, have this, they have this, you know, authority over them because, let's face it, more women vote Democrat than they do Republican. And, and, it, and mm-hmm. you know, Democrats are smart in that way where, you know, they target – a lot of their voters, they are, they try, they try to get women. They try to get as much women as possible because they know that's who's going to turn out the most to vote. And yeah, you know, more, more well, I think and more what women it is, are, I mean, go ahead. I I can explain it. What it is is that, and I don't want to you know paint all women in this with a broad brush. No, but many not. women no, vote. No. Many women vote more on emotional based aspects of things. And right. many men uh, vote more logical. Now, that's not to say that women are not logical, but men think right. about things in a, in a little bit more of a logistic way in which they take hopefully yeah. the feelings out of the equation where women don't do that. And, and certainly, you know, many liberals uh, that feel like women, I guess, they vote with emotions too. And that's why it's very easy to impress upon the youth that, you know, you should be a Democrat because it's all about emotions. It's all about how bad guns are. It's all about how bad war is. It's all about how how uh, everyone should have the same. And, you know, it goes back to kindergarten where our teachers would say, Josh, now you, know you need to share you? with Johnny. 
But you know what I'm sick of as well? I'm sick of the whole equality, equality. You live in fucking America, excuse my French, but what rights do you not have? What are you whining about? What are you roaming the streets about? Like, if, they, if, if certain people did this in the Middle East, they would be shot. Like, the fact that right. all these people have this freedom in America where they can trash our streets, to have demands, have it. And I say this all the time on my show. One of the biggest problems in, problems in this country is entitlement. Everybody thinks they're owed something. They think the, this country yeah. owes them something, and they think taxpayers should pay for it. It's a load of crap. Exactly. No, look, I, I think you're right. And, you know, the thing is, is that that's how women – typically vote they they vote on the emotional aspect of things so it's easy yeah. to dupe things you know like I, I always explain it like this if you have candidate a and candidate b and they're talking to a bunch of young people and candidate yeah. a says i want to give you free health care i want to give you uh you know free college i want to take care of you i want to make your life so much easier right but then candidate yeah. b says I want to remove the obstacles in your life that are holding you down from being able to provide for yourself and your family. And what happens is that young, impressionable young mind goes, okay, one guy wants to give me everything, the other one wants to, like, take something away and make life easier. I, you know what? I'm just going to vote for the guy that says he wants to give me everything. And that's how the left wins. They, they win with language. The affordable care act there's nothing affordable about about the american yeah the american free choice act no it's called card check okay uh the respect for marriage act give me a break okay this is what they do they name things like that and and the new one by the way that's coming down the pike hopefully president trump is going to veto it if it gets to his desk (laughs) It's supposed to be the Honest Ads Act, right? Oh, it sounds nice, right? Honest Ads. What it does is it completely censors <laughs> any conservative, any conservative yep. campaign, any conservative right. group. It's an absolute right. disaster for the First Amendment. But they named it what? The Honest yeah. Ads Act. Everybody wants no different. Ads. Yeah. <laughs> no different than the yeah. Fairness Doctrine. No different than the Fairness Doctrine. Right, um, you it's know, a it was, it was doctrine. What are you worried about? Yeah, yeah I think there's a distinct difference between what Democrats like to prey upon and what Republicans can win on. You got two things. When you're selling yeah. an idea in, in society, you can sell things on the basis of pain or you can sell things on the basis of desire. If you're really sharp, you'll sell on both, right? You use the pain yep. to leverage someone to their desire. Now, you've got two ways that you can live in life. Oh, my gosh, poor pitiful me. Somebody take care of me. Or you can live the American dream and say, I have hopes. I have dreams. I have gifts and talents and something to offer to this world, and I want somebody to guide me and show me on how I can do that in an entrepreneurial environment. I've got to tell you, I quoted this stat earlier. 67% of millennials desire to start their own business one day. Now, all of them won't do that, but they do have the entrepreneurial desire to do that. They want to do well by doing good. They love things like Tom's and Warby Parker, buy a pair, give a pair. They want to do well by doing good. That's Republicans' biggest opportunity with the next generation is to seize upon the opportunity of showing them how to be good 
entrepreneurs who build companies, who innovate, who create things. And the number one thing holding them back is the biggest predatory lender in the United States. It's the federal government and student loans. They have allowed tuition to skyrocket well past the rate of inflation, and the amount of debt sitting on students' backs, yes, they agreed to it, of course, but it was the same kind of, uh, I don't know, promissory notes that we were selling during you know, the, the mortgage crisis, right? This is predatory mm-hmm. lending at its best, and I can tell you that the number one that way that we're two ways that Republicans can win with millennials in the next generation and develop trust with them is one – private sector solution to student loans. I say you do it student loan matching where companies can start matching student loan payments of of students and you tax incentivize that. And then the second thing you need to do is that this president and others like him need to tell their story of entrepreneurship, help build them up, help them live their desires instead of Democrats who just prey upon their pain and victimhood all day. Put the American dream back in yeah, I remember even during the campaign, uh, I was constantly putting out videos, and I was saying that President Trump's greatest asset is his experience, and he needs to go out on the campaign trail and do what Ronald Reagan did, tell stories. But instead of telling stories about communism and socialism, tell stories about how you built these buildings, how you got the yes. permits, what kind of uh, trials and tribulations and what kind of obstacles you faced and how you overcame those obstacles and, and how you created the ice rink when uh, nobody else could get it funded and how you did it under budget and, you know, and on time. And so I was telling the campaign because I know Roger Stone pretty well. I was telling them all of this stuff, and towards the end, he started to do that. He, if you remember, he started to talk about some of the buildings that he built and you know, some of the skyscrapers and the stories behind them. And what that does is it personalizes the person, number one, and allows you uh, an insight into who they are, number two. And uh, I, I agree with you. I think Republicans need to do that. They need to not be so stiff. They need to understand not that they have to get on the wavelength of a millennial, but they need to understand and say to themselves, if I was a millennial, if I was that age, what would I need in order to be successful and put themselves in a the millennial's mindset and talk to them like that and say, hey, here's why you should vote for Republicans and conservatives, because we want to make your life better. We don't want to make you dependent. And then you need to explain that when you're dependent on someone else, you lose your freedoms, and I think that that's a big part of it, and that's what millennials yep. need to understand. But another thing is that this is, for me, from my point of view, Republicans are going to keep hurting themselves because they never stick together. The friggin' Democrats on every policy, every legislation, yep. it's you know they're all together. But when it comes to the Republicans. I mean, look at the Freedom Caucus, Lindsey Graham and John McCain bashing the Freedom Caucus every five minutes. These people, the Republicans never stick together, and it's poisonous. It makes them look stupid, and I agree with the Freedom Caucus. I'm not with the rhinos, obviously, but it's just – just think about it. The Democrats stick together on everything. If they hate somebody, they all hate them. The Republicans, they're, they're all over the place. I mean, Senator Ted Cruz used to say it this way all the time. Ted Cruz used to say Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton would climb over broken glass with a knife in their mouth to achieve their agenda. When it comes to Republicans, when it comes to Republicans 
at the first sign of resistance, at the first sign of setback, at the first sign of a Rick Saccone losing or an Ed Gillespie losing. They're already worried about a blue wave and retiring in droves. They're weak. They're feckless. They have no backbones. And they have no idea how to stand up in the battle of ideas and actually make logical, inspirational arguments to the American people why the free market and constitutional principles of freedom of speech, freedom of religion, do what you want in your own backyard, and essentially the the, the freedom to be – you know, have your privacy. Mm-hmm. We don't stand up with a backbone to make those type right. of arguments because guess what, folks? It's the winning argument. Free market is the winning it argument. Is. If 67% of a, a generation wants to start their own business one day, who should win that argument, Republicans or Democrats? Definitely Republicans. Republicans. Absolutely. And, and I would actually add this, and, and I say it a little bit different from you. I say it this way. A Democrat could literally slit the throat of a kitten on live television, but because it's a Democrat, <laughs> everything is forgiven, and they'll stay together as a voting block. However, a Republican, they'll go back 37 years and say, uh-uh, I'm sorry, yep. back in 1978, you voted like <laughs> this, and therefore I'm <laughs> staying home, and I'm not going to vote, and that's how the Democrats win. And I'll say one more thing, and this is the truth. I've been saying this for seven or eight months now. The Republicans would rather lose the House and Senate and not have the responsibility of governing this country and go back to the minority than to see this president be successful. Now, that's a harsh statement, but you know what? It is so true. These Republicans absolutely despise and hate this president just as much as the Democrats because he did it his way. He didn't go to the country club meetings. He didn't go to the golf clubs. He didn't have the dinners and the parties and all the other stuff. He said, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to beat 17 others. And when I did, I'm now going to do it my way. And what that is is a threat to their way of life, and they certainly don't want people to follow Trump's lead in future candidates being the same way. That's why they hate him. And for anybody that thinks if we lose the House and Senate, which I'm predicting at this point more than likely we will – Uh, I don't know what kind of margin it'll be. I think the Senate is going to be between three and seven seats, and I think as many as 24 seats in the House, unless things majorly change. But But I will say this. They will impeach this president, and they'll have the Republicans to vote for him. Well, I I want to – real quick, I just want to – I want to touch on – I want to touch on something Josh said real quick. Um, Josh, so, you know – Obviously, we know that, you know, with, what, with, with, you know, the 2018 midterms, history is on the Democrat side. We get that. But history was also on Hillary Clinton's side before the election when they said Donald Trump had no chance in hell of becoming president. So mm-hmm. I am calling bullshit on a blue wave coming. And I think history is going to be proven wrong once again, just like it was when Donald Trump was elected. Well, look, from your lips to God's ears, I hope you're right and I hope I'm wrong. Uh, You know, I get paid to make political, you know, analysis. And uh, unfortunately, (laughs) I've been right most of the time. I will say this. We have an opportunity to change things. And I am seeing Guy Benson in town hall talking about how the blue wave is getting lower and smaller. Yes. But I yes. also see the fact that we now have 20 
three or 24 seat advantage right now. April 24th, which is just coming up this coming Tuesday, is going to be Debbie Lesko against the Indian doctor here in Arizona for Trent uh, Uh Frank's seat. I would pay very close attention to that because Sun City and Sun City West is extremely, extremely red. Okay? It is bright red. Trent. Yep. They're uh, all Joe Joe Arpaio fans. Well, I'm just saying Trent's district was bright, bright red, and I don't believe that uh, Debbie Lesko is going to lose. But if it's close or she does, then I do believe that the blue wave is coming. If she wins, which I believe she'll win by between 8 and 14 points, then I think that this blue wave thing is uh, is certainly, you know, not formulating as of yet. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens. John, but keep your eye on next week's special election. Uh, John, but, I, 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 I want to John, talk about – go ahead. I just I want, want to say – about... Go ahead. Just real quick, give me one sec. It's a real shame, though, when you think about it. I mean, we have the, the presidency – the House and the Senate, and Donald Trump mm-hmm. by himself, other than tax cuts, has pushed almost 70%, I believe I read, of his agenda through. It's, 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 yeah. Can you imagine if we had a unified uh, Congress that, that backs oh. this president? I mean, oh. it, it would be the, the midterms wouldn't even be a thought right now. It'd be, it'd be a shoo-in. It's just uh-huh. really friggin' disgusting, and I, and I just can't stand these Republicans. I, I despise them as much as the Democrats at this point. And I, 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 I mean, you know what? I think I... I think, listen, I think I, I think one I, month. I mean... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, um, Brian. Sorry. Go ahead. You know, I have to say, you know, look at... Look at the... I actually think I could despise Republicans more than Democrats. At least Democrats have some sense of strategy about them. But I want to talk right. for a moment about the relationship right. between Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell. You know, we're going to think about this for a second. Mitch McConnell's wife is in Donald Trump's cabinet. Let's think about this from a strategy perspective. I have a horrendous disagreement with the 60-vote supermajority requirement in the Senate. It's a Senate rule. It can be changed. It's not a constitutional requirement. That thing has got to go because a lot of what President Trump's 70 percent agenda has been done through is executive order, which can be undone instantaneously with a new president. It's got to be done legislatively. If I'm President Trump… I'm calling up Mitch McConnell, and I'm giving him an ultimatum. Get rid of the 60-vote majority, or I fire your wife. You get two choices. Right. Your influence peddling in tomorrow, or you can let it continue. That's going to be your choice. But if the 60-vote majority is not gone in deadline, I don't know, seven days, 14 days, your wife's fired. Do you understand? Yeah. That's how it's going to be. Make it happen. Just don't you have see, it on record. Kind of... <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> that's you got, we got to do something. Yeah, no, look, I agree. I mean, look, think about it. Mitch McConnell was not going to bring up the bill to to uh, protect Mueller. And what happened? Lindsey Gramnesty and Tom Tillis, two fake Republicans, along right. with uh, Coons and I forget who the other one was. I think it was Kamala Harris. They were the ones that signed on for this uh, bill, and they're actually going to run it through – uh, Chuck Grassley and the, and the Senate Judiciary Committee, and they're going to vote yeah. on it. They're going to vote on yeah. keeping the Mueller witch hunt. Think about how ridiculous that is, okay? You've got all the evidence pointing at the left, and these stupid Republicans are actually going to vote to keep the witch hunt going. What the <laughs> blank is that about? I mean, Andy Graham should be deported. He should be deported. <laughs> 
John McCain's you know, it's shadow. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like the classic. It's a classic. It's a classic phrase, right? If it quacks like a duck, looks like a duck, then it probably is a duck. When it comes to Democrats and colluding with the Russians, the uranium one deal, it's like it quacks like a duck, looks like a duck, sounds like a goose. It was definitely the Republicans. You know, it, 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 <laughs> right. it, it, it's, it's a joke. Amazing. It, it truly is amazing. And you know, look at this point. Um, the only thing I'm worried about is Michael Cohn. Uh, I think that uh, whatever. Information and what about George Soros, the judge that's overseeing that, oversaw George Soros' wedding. Do you know this? Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, the uh, the district attorney in the Southern District of New York, Robert Kazemi, he was a Obama appointee, number one. Number two, he I'm used to be the enforcer for the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission. By the way, was under investigation for destroying documents a la Hillary Clinton – uh, as a matter of fact, NARA, the National Archives Restoration Act, was actually changed because of uh, conflicts of interest that he had, not to mention he worked for Deutsche Bank and was part of the subprime uh-huh. uh, mortgage crisis. So and, you and want to talk about a corrupt individual. From my understanding, the judge who ruled against Michael Cohen is one of Bill Clinton's uh, – uh, AG pick, uh, potential AG picks back in the day, nanny gate. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Are you talking about the the woman or the man? Because the man, I'm talking uh, about the Robert woman that was involved. Kizami. The woman, the woman involved, yeah, they call her the love judge yeah. or something. Yep. Yeah. Oh my. Timbo Wood. One thing I think I, her name was. It's one thing. This president cannot catch a break. He can't. Exactly. You're right. He can't catch a break. It's unbelievable what they are doing. There's no Russia collusion. So now what do they do? They they go over and above client uh, attorney privilege. They grab Michael. They, they, they go through and ransack his stuff. They take all of his documents. I mean, it's so sickening. It's just ridiculous. There's such a double standard here. And yet, you know, they just they don't care. Look, I'm so thankful that Rudy Giuliani is joining the staff, yeah. uh, the uh, the um, legal staff for the president, and he said he's going to try to negotiate an end to the Mueller investigation within the next couple of weeks. Look, I'm telling you right now, I would love Janine Pirro to be the new uh, attorney general, but if I can't get Janine Pirro or Andrew Napolitano, how about Rudy Giuliani, man? Replace sessions exactly. with Rudy Giuliani in two weeks, that's, and let's get that's it going, what man. About. Yeah, hey, that's what the, the opening of my show was. I've been saying for a long time on my show, why wasn't Rudy Giuliani originally in there as attorney general? He will prosecute everyone. We need two tough New yeah. Yorkers. And I said at the opening of this show, I agree. Today when, two tough New Yorkers. Today when, yes, exactly. And I said at the opening of the show today, when when I heard the report today that Rudy was coming on Trump's legal team, I think that's an, a doorway to uh, very soon becoming the new attorney general and Sessions is gone. Oh, God, I could only pray, 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 pray and hope that that happens. I will say this. If I had a choice between him and Janine Pirro, I'd take Janine Pirro hands down. There is nobody more vicious against the Clintons right. than that woman. I mean, she yes, would be right. the greatest attorney general this country has yep. ever seen. Yep. yep. But I, I want everyone to think about this real quick. 
General Michael Flynn and Michael Cohen have been treated by the FBI more viciously than Hillary Clinton. Think about that. Michael Cohen, Trump's personal lawyer, his home got raided. Yet Hillary Clinton yeah. never, never been raided by the no, FBI. No, she wasn't even under oath. She wasn't under even oath. I mean, she's had pedicures from Jim Comey, for God's sake. <laughs> I mean, it's they ridiculous. They didn't even have the recording on. They didn't even have the recording yeah. on. It's a joke. Yeah, and look at Cheryl Mills and Uma Abedin. Oh, no, don't worry about being under oath. Say whatever the hell you want. Okay, yeah, yeah all right, guys, all right, we're done. Andrew, write this up. I mean, come on. And then you got Comey on, on, every, on every show this week just bashing Trump. And I said to myself, yeah. I said, does James Comey realize how bad he's making himself look? Anybody with the Not only, not only is he making himself Hillary's look even bad. mad at him. Hillary's people. Let me tell you about James Comey. James Comey's yep. arrogance and elitism and wanting to be in front of the camera, the worst thing that yeah. guy ever did in his entire career was write that stupid book because that book right. is going to be wrapped around his neck and he's going to prison. Yeah. Number one, for yep. leaking uh, information that he's yep. admitted to on numerous occasions. That's first and foremost. But all the other things that he's done as far as exonerating her without even interviewing her, I mean, all of this yeah. stuff, he's going to prison. He is going to prison. And I'll tell you right now, guys, listen to this. Lisa Page, if you want to know who's going to be the one that's going to crack and sing like a canary, it'll be Lisa Page. Mark my words. I guarantee it. Put it down in writing. Go to Vegas and bet on it. Lisa Page will be the one that will flip and turn all of them from stroke to Comey to all of them. I've already heard rumblings from people that know her. She is so scared. She is willing to say anything to stay out of trouble. So look for her to be the first one to flip. Real quick, real quick, though. This, I mean, this is all going to come down to, um, I mean, mean, you you look at this and, ah, God, I just lost my train thought. It'll come back to me. I hate when I, I had something that was exactly what you're saying with the that Sessions appointed, Huber, if he yeah. does this investigation in Washington, D.C., then he could have the clout of almost like a special counsel or special prosecutor. But if he does this investigation from Utah, then it's going to be BS. It's going to be garbage. It's right. going to be window dressing, and it's not going to go anywhere. But if he reloads back to Washington, D.C., which, again, he was years at the Justice Department, if he does that yes. and he takes this investigation seriously, then I think, and again, I'm op- cautiously optimistic here, that that investigation right. could be almost as powerful as having a special counsel, almost. But remember, he was appointed – by Obama. Yeah, and yeah. look at look at look what General Petraeus did. Look how minimal of I mean, he did barely anything, and they ruined his life. And all of these people are roaming free. It's disgraceful. Right. Well, I want yep. you to make this point real quick with James Comey. Anybody yeah. with a brain, anybody with a brain, when you see him on the the the, the dumb show, The View, and all these shows. He's mocking Trump's marriage. He's mocking his, his hand size. He says his ties are too big. 
and he clearly and he calls him morally unfit. He's to be insecure. Is, he's jealous. Right. He's bitter. But listen, this is the former FBI director. How can anyone with a brain say, wait a minute, Trump better have fired his ass? How can he work underneath him? How how can someone be the FBI director and hate the president that much? He's just proving that Trump should have fired his ass the first day he became president. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not only that, did you see his 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 uh, priceless face when uh, Gail King read the uh, the letter, yeah. the uh, referral letter to him live, and he had to make it look like he didn't care? He was scared. He, he didn't. He was shocked. And I think it's funny that he got fired by being on a show or being somewhere and didn't know about it and had to find out about it yeah. by the audience. And he ended up getting the referral for criminal investigation, also not knowing about it and finding out about it live on a show. So I think that you both of those you, things happening to him are great. Absolutely. You know what's even more fun? You know what's even more funny is the dummy crap think the. Uh, James Comey, like the Democrat voters think James Comey is their savior. He's given all the, he's their smoking gun. He's their answer for the Robert Mueller case. I mean, they, they're giving, oh, getting all please. excited. I mean, it's just, give me a fucking break. What a joke. Not only that, he just released all of his memos. All they do yeah. is, is basically help the president. Because the president <laughs> yeah. says, I, you yeah. know, this whole Russia with the hookers thing is nonsense. Okay, we know that. So what? Bill Clinton's done much worse. If and we know Trump didn't. Let's face it, Trump didn't pee on any hookers in a chef a shower. Trump is a germaphobe. He barely shakes people's hands. Okay. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And could, they couldn't have come up with something better than that. Yes, they yeah. can. Stormy Daniels. <laughs> well, that you see that failing, like sinking like a ship every day. <laughs> uh, Brian, I know you wanted to say something on this. Yeah, no, I think James Comey. What what drives me so nuts about James Comey that the media buys into constantly is just like this this oh lordy that be bad. Mister Comey goes to Washington routine as if it isn't intentional to deceive voters and deceive the American viewer as if he's some yeah. humble guy who could oh golly I would never do that wrong. You know those. That was the best of my intentions. Like, listen, I lived in an apartment, you know, a few years ago where, like, the pipes exploded above my second bathroom, and it kept happening. And I said, hey, this thing's still leaking. And the property manager kept saying this phrase to me, oh, wow, that's terrible. You know, it shouldn't be happening like that. And I'm like, I know it shouldn't be happening because that's why I'm standing in front of you because the pipes exploded again. Yeah, it shouldn't be happening, but it made the leasing agent just sound so harmless as if they just wanted to help me. And golly gee, Morty, it would never – we would never want your bathroom to leak like that. You know, this little routine that he draws out on television is unbelievably deceptive. The guy's a former FBI director. He knows darn well what he's doing. He's well-versed in interrogation. He's well-versed in intelligence. He knows exactly that this routine is disarming, it builds trust, and at the end of the day, it's flat-out lying. And, I mean, and you is, know what? This is the former real FBI quick. director. Go ahead. Mike, real quick, I want to say something real quick. Comey made sure. one of the most ridiculous and idiotic statements. Uh, it, was, it was today or either yesterday, but 
he says, quote, unquote, and I quote, it wasn't necessary to inform Trump that D- the DNC Hillary campaign financed the dossier. How is that? How, how can you say something like that? It wasn't necessary mm. to inform the president that you were against him and you, this was all a setup. Yeah, I know. It's like you remember what you had. You, you had the, uh, the salad and then the shrimp scampi. But yet when you talked to him alone, you said, oh, gee, you know what I forgot to say? By the way, your opponent paid for the dossier. But that wasn't important. Let's get back to the shrimp scampi. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. If you want the real collusion, it's right there, the dossier, the fake dossier. Exactly. But did you hear, the, did you hear when um, he was on 60 Minutes and she said, did this president collude with Russia? He knows damn well. <laughs> The answer, he was a, the former FBI director. He knows damn well the answer is 100% no. He did not collude with Russia in any way. And she asks him the question, and he goes, he says, uh, honestly, honestly, it's possible. It's possible. I mean, this guy is an ass. And yes. he yes. say that when yes. he knows damn well the truth. Shame on this guy. I think the, um, I think the ABC cameraman should get an award yeah. for greatest cameraman in the world because he somehow yeah. made a five-foot-tall uh, news guy and a six-foot-eight former FBI uh, <laughs> director somehow look around the same height. I want to see the three hours of footage and the camera moving around for the three hours that it took to make that look like it did. <laughs> George Stephanopoulos was like Lord Farquaad from Shrek. I call him uh, <laughs> George Stephanopoulos. <laughs> so so wait and, and so, no, what drives me crazy go ahead yeah no you go ahead go ahead brian yeah what drives me crazy about george stephanopoulos george stephanopoulos is uh you know oh, journalism geez. skill set is about as uh is about as tall as he is it's it's, it's terrible <laughs> what, he's an honorary member of He's he's like an honorary member of the Clinton Foundation and worked for Bill Clinton nonetheless, and yet we're going to get a straight he was a senior advisor and the White House yeah. chief of communications. Oh, it's, it's, cra- it's crazy, and so we, we so we have that. But he, you know, here's the thing: Comey admitted in that interview this fact right here. He he said that President Trump, in a private dinner, brought up the fact uh, about the whole Russian prostitute crap. And uh, he, and, the, and the president's like, can we investigate this? Because I want to I want to prove that it's not true. That's what he claims. And then Comey says that he said to the president, well, Mr. President, it's really hard to prove that something that didn't happen didn't happen. Well, what are you <laughs> sitting here in this chair across from Stephanopoulos speculating on something that did or did not happen that you believe did or did not? Maybe perhaps Lordy could be true. What, <laughs> right. Seriously. Jesus it was ridiculous. Christ. It was do, such you, a hit do you remember when James Comey promised Trump that he did not leak? He kept promising Trump that he was not leaking at one point, and then he finally admitted it. I mean, we, we have all of these things that are the, the dishonest things about James Comey. It's, you know, there, there's, and, and now the DOJ. I about fell out of my chair when he said that uh, yeah. I'm glad that Mueller is handling the investigation because I wanted to make sure that. Yeah. They appointed someone with a, a man of integrity, or no, no, someone yeah. that didn't have conflicts of interest. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. didn't have conflicts of interest. That's what it was. Right, 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 right. Yeah, right. I mean, and then now, now the DOJ has sent all the Comey memos to Congress 
I'm hoping that goes somewhere. Let's let's hope. I mean, you know, uh, Josh, what, what, Josh and Brian, what's your take on that? <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. Uh, I think that because <laughs> Comey's like, I'm not a leaker. I'm not a leaker. Well, I kind of pass it to my buddy who works well at <laughs> the New York Times. Whoops. New um, York Times. You know, <laughs> you know it, it, it's hysterical. No, I didn't do that. Morty did not. What did I do with those memos? It's kind of like, Morty, what did I do with my glasses, my keys? Where are my keys? And it turns out he's holding them the entire time. My thought process is that they need a couple of fall guys. And I think that Andrew McCabe at this point is number one as a fall guy. I think that he's in the most – He's in the most criminal trouble. I, I think, honestly, he could be looking at 25 to 50 years in prison if convicted. Easily. Uh, oh, no, easily. With what he's done, I mean, you're talking U.S. Code 1001, U.S. Yep. Code 182071, yep. U.S. Code 18793, U.S. Code 694, U.S. Code 1924, and U.S. Code 798. All of those have to do with leaking of information, dropping sensitive yep. information, uh, lack of candor, um, you know, lying under oath, perjury. I mean, there, there's so many charges that literally he is going to get hit with. I think that out of – if I had to guess who's going to be in the most yes. trouble, it would certainly be McCabe. Um, and I would yes. say second, I would hope, would be Hillary Clinton, but Hillary seems kind of untouchable. So I don't know yeah, what would happen about there, as but I think President Trump. I think your fall what about Loretta Lynch? is more than likely. What about Loretta Lynch? She could be in trouble too. She can be in trouble too, but um, I don't know. I, I really see McCabe. I don't see Comey so much. Uh, I see McCabe. You don't see Comey going to prison. I see Comey getting a plea deal. Um, I uh, think uh, Hillary would probably get the same thing. I, I really see the only one that's what, actually going to do prison time. What about Rosenstein? Well, he's still employed, so at this point, he's not even in, under federal investigation. I, so, you know, now, you there know, are I think, some I think there are think, some rumors that they are going to be possibly, well, actually, are going to be investigating him. Um, you know, because he's behind some stuff. Oh, there's no question think, that you know he has conflicts of interest. There, there's no question about it. He's a dirty person yeah. too. There's no question. Um, yeah, but we'll see like what happens. See I think Holder. Andrew McCabe is the one in trouble the most. Yeah, I do too. I would personally, I would like to see Eric Holder. Oh my God, that would make my day. He's a punk. yeah, but you got to understand, ha- and, and you need to think and go back to like, yeah. for instance, uh, Fast and Furious. With Fast and oh, Furious, yeah. he was found to be in contempt of Congress. He didn't get right. in any trouble, but yet they ended up firing and throwing, I think, one in prison, uh, the Arizona and Texas uh, attorney generals or something that were part of the whole. Fast and Furious thing, or part of the ATF, or something like that. You know, I'd have, I'd have oh, to I look it up. That. But what I'm saying is, a smaller person ended up taking the fall, and the one that should have taken the fall right. didn't. Right. Right. I and agree with you. Back that to McCabe, gonna go. Going back to Andrew McCabe real quick, he, uh, you know, with with, with what um, with, with what with what Andrew McCabe, I mean, he could be. Uh, do you think he has? Um, you really think 25 years, huh? I, I think that more than likely he would plea deal for somewhere between four and seven years. Yeah, I, I do. I, I think you can put that in the bank, that he's going to go away with, for between four and seven years. 
I mean, with the He's criminal referral, with the criminal hey, referral by the IG, how does he not do time? He has to do time. He's more than likely he's going to do time, but he's listen. He's going to he's going to plea bargain. You know, if he doesn't yeah, have absolutely. a criminal record, you know, you got to understand that these these people they're not like us. Unfortunately, they're protected. If, if this they're was protected. us, we'd be in prison for a hundred years. But we're talking about the deep state, and the deep state's going to take care of the deep state regardless of whether they're Republican or Democrat. I would look at between four and seven years for him. I would say probation probably for Loretta Lynch uh, and probably Comey, and maybe, just maybe, Hillary would get six months. But I doubt it. I truly doubt it. I think out of everybody, you're looking at more than likely McCabe spending time in prison – the rest of them will probably be under probation, and if we're lucky, maybe Peter Stroke or Rosenstein so, might do so, six months yep. to a year. I was just going to mention him. Um, he, um, you know, I wanted to mention about him is that um, with Andrew McCabe, the left props him up like he's a he's a hero with the the GoFundMe page with all that nonsense. I mean, it's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> When this is all said and done, I think that the swamp is not going to be drained, but what it'll end up doing is it'll move the swamp creatures into the kiddie pool for a while. Oh, Do you know what I mean? They're going to go to the shallow end of the pool. They're still going to be in the swamp, but they're going to be in the shallow end of the pool. At least we'll be able to see the bottom. They're going to get out of the deep deep swamp, so to speak. It won't be the deep state. It'll be the uh, shallow state when this is all said and done. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man, um, I want to see Comey, too. I would love to see Comey go to prison. Oh, my God. I would, too. I would, too. I oh. hope I'm wrong, you know. I really, truly do. I hope I'm wrong. But, you know, just seeing all these things happen in my experience, I just see one person going to prison and the rest yeah. getting probation. And, again, I hope I'm wrong. I would love to see Hillary Clinton go to prison for a very long oh. time. I mean, and think about it. It's not just this. It's not this criminal referral. You could refer her on uh, Benghazi. You could refer her on the email scandal. She's literally guilty of of U.S. Code 1001-798-793, a whole bunch of others. If you really wanted to throw the book at Hillary Clinton from Fusion GPS and all the other things that she's done from Haiti, I mean, you could go way, way back. She should be doing 500 years in prison, but oh. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, no, look, your analysis, is, your analysis is fair because at the end of the day, these people are extremely protected. I mean, that's just a given at this point. Right. And what they'll oh, do absolutely. is they'll feed red meat. They'll feed red meat to the base, to Trump's base, and somebody will go to prison, and Trump will be able to run around as a hero and say, look, we got – Andrew McCabe's in prison. I told you I was going to drain the swamp, and then hopefully he'll right, get reelected right. in 2020. I, I'm just saying this is how these things work, especially in Washington. Yeah, they're all going to plead down. Every one of them will plead down. Every one. Absolutely. They're they're all going to I mean, look, They're all going to have they're all going to have to you know rat each other out, and they're all somebody's going to you know just just so they can plead better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they're all huddled in a room somewhere right now saying, all right, 
Andrew, you're the one that's messed up the most, so you're going to get a little bit of time here, and the rest of us are going to get off. And that's just the way it's going to work. Right. It's no, probably I, I, otherwise, gonna otherwise, you're going to have a fall, or you're going to self-suicide somewhere, and uh, I don't think you want that to happen. So, so that's true. A, I'll take so, the point. So true. There'll be a mysterious four blows to the back of the head, and we'll call it a robbery at 4:30 in the morning. Yeah, but but nothing was stolen. <laughs> but nothing will be stolen. Exactly. exactly. Nothing was stolen. I mean, and they don't. And Seth Rich completely. Uh, Trust they completely me. Don't talk about Trust it. Trust me. John Podesta and I wrote this in an article, and I did a video on it. John Podesta is a serial killer. There's no question in yeah, my he mind. He, not only did and, he whack Vince Foster, what about but the he whacked a whole bunch of people. Well, I'm not even talking about that. He whacked, more than likely, he either whacked himself or had MS-13 gang members whack Seth yep. Rich in the middle of the night and told them not to rob anything, yep. make it look like whatever. But I think he personally did it because if you look at the WikiLeaks emails that were released, they talk about Seth Rich. They talk about a quote-unquote leaker. And what does uh, John Podesta say in the email? Well, I'd like to make an example out of someone like that. Yes, yes, and don't I think for one that. second that they didn't whack uh, Scalia either. Wet works, anyone? That's code Absolutely. for assassination in the KGB. Oh, absolutely. Not I to mention uh, Cinderella Guevara, who was the Martha yeah. County District Attorney and was in charge of the autopsy, did not see the body and called it in as natural death over the telephone. And, by <laughs> the way, had a history – I did a whole video on this – had a history of having – the same thing where she had a suspect autopsy done. A young lady ended up uh, on the train tracks dead. They said that she got hit by a train. Meanwhile, her body was completely intact, and they didn't do a, uh, an autopsy. And then we find out that um, she was running for her seat, and uh, her, her Twitter handle was Si Se Puede. So she was totally pro-open borders. You've got the most anti illegal immigration judge on the court that's getting in the way of passing amnesty and everything else. Uh, I don't know about you folks, but everything kind of fits that, uh, you know, he was probably whacked. I mean, how many people sleep with a pillow over their face? I mean, exactly. Come on. So but I'm about as tuned in as it gets. Killed Vince Foster. Definitely killed Vince. John Podesta looks like a serial killer too. Yeah, I think he is one. I think he's done 30, 40 murders easy. Easy. I would, oh, I would agree with that. Oh, yeah. Oh, and the Vince Foster thing. He's I mean, been their hitman for you know, 30 years. Yeah, the Vince Foster thing, you know, the, the liberal left media always tried to cover that up and act like the Clintons had nothing to do, it had nothing to do with it. But the Clintons, they were responsible. You know, we all know what Vince Foster, he was about to go – uh, he was about to expose them, expose a lot of secrets. Yep. Exactly. Um, but it happens. It happens with all of them, you know. It, yeah. it, 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 we've seen. Not what I mean by all of them. Any time there's any ever somebody with information like Seth Rich, like Vince Foster, like the doctor that came up missing that was for the Clintons. Remember the guy from Haiti? Uh, 
the, the mm-hmm. you know who I'm talking about, the doctor from New York yep. that, that helped them in Haiti and and said they were a scam with their Haiti donations. There's all these yes, different things yes. that come up. It, it's the it's UN insane. worker it's, that dropped a barbell on his neck. The one yeah, that was going mean, to sue yeah. Bernie Sanders. The one that was going to sue yeah. the Hillary Clinton campaign that worked for Bernie Sanders, the lawyer. He was gone. I mean, there's so many of them. But listen, exactly. guys, I got to get up in the morning and yeah, do an RT America a minute and a half left. I TV want you, interview. I want you, Josh, we have a we have a minute and a half left. Yeah. I want you to uh, give your shout outs and your plug. Absolutely, I'm the national spokesman for um, the Association of Mature American Citizens. AMAC is the organization. They're a senior-based organization for 50 years of age and older. Uh, they are the conservative alternative to AARP. And when we lobby on behalf of Washington and Congress to provide seniors more power, more choice, and, of course, more freedom in their health care choices and decisions. So folks can go to amac.us or they can call toll-free 888-262-2006. Again, 888-262-2006. Tell them you heard Josh Bernstein, their national spokesman on the Rory Souter Show. And we'll give you a free membership, absolutely free membership. Just mention my name or the Rory Satter Show or both, and you'll get a free membership. Again, it's 888-262-2006. And, Rory, if you can put that number and that offer on uh, your page, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, and then for folks that want to follow me, you can download my app on Android or iPhone. Just put in Josh Bernstein in your app store or Play Store. Uh, you can go to Amazon, Amazon Prime Video, Amazon Direct, uh, and yep. watch the TV show there. You can go to uh, Roku and some other places, YouTube, of course. And if you want to learn more about me, you can go and look up my Wikipedia. I got a couple site. seconds, Josh. Yes. Okay. Again, thank you, Josh, for coming on. We'll have you on next week. We always appreciate yep. you. Thank you, man, for your insight. God bless, man. No problem. My pleasure. Take care. Take care, man. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the show tonight. Um, my co-host, Mike Zolo, you can always find him on Twitter. Um, and uh, you can go um, visit MillennialSolution.com for, um, to see all of my uh, other guests, Brian Boshe's work, uh, the best-selling author, political strategist, and entrepreneur success coach that I had on earlier. Again, that's Brian Boshe, MillennialSolution.com. Visit it. You can visit my store, the DonaldJTrumpStore.com. Again, that's the DonaldJTrumpStore.com. And you can visit MakingChristianityGreatAgain.com and my other store. Um, Good night, everybody. I will see you guys in the next episode. God bless. I'm Rory Sodder. Thank you for listening. Cheers, everybody.